Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. It is me, Liz Loza, and I am joined by Dalton Del Don, as always, on our Thursday recordings. Dalton, how are you? You staying dry? It's a little bit wet in California today. Yeah, there's some rain. And of course, uh, the city decided to have a wood chipper outside my window here. I've got some <laughs> headphones on, so hopefully you can't hear it. But uh, of course, the timing, it just it never fails. But otherwise, I'm doing well. How about yourself, Liz? I'm uh, well, I'm, I have better days. I've got a lot of drama going on at home, but that's not for hot, neither here nor there. Um, I do have a question for you when it rains like this, like and it is people outside of California like to make fun of us because we have such large reactions to such relatively little weather. But it is raining in Los Angeles, like torrential downpours. There are like flooded gutters. It's it's no joke. Is it as bad up north where you are? So I live kind of in a farming community and uh, there was a legit drought for a while there, you know, a stretch of the last 20 years. So nowadays people are just happy when it rains and no, they're not, they don't act crazy and there's not as much traffic problems like you have in LA. But no, I I enjoy reading it. Same with San Francisco. They they freak out there when it rains, I think a little bit, but not exactly where I am in the Central Valley. It's a, do you have a favorite rainy time, like food or drink? You know, like I really like something called mulled wine. Not that I make it, but I hear there's like a mix that you can put in it. Like basically hot, super sweet, extra alcoholized wine is my favorite thing on a rainy day. And obviously I don't have it much since it doesn't rain here much. But do you have a favorite hot toddy for this winter? No, I don't. I I don't. But I, I will write that one down. That one sounds pretty good. I've never even heard of that. That sounds good. Mm, Brett, why are you laughing? I mean, what producer Brett is just rolling his eyes and laughing. What do you have a favorite? What do you drink? Just a bunch of whiskey to make your gut warm. Sure. No, I I was just thinking about mold wine. It's good. It's just like hot wine. You hot put a wine. bunch of wine in a pot, turn on the stove, throw in some oranges and cinnamon and it's, it's whatever sweet, you got and just boil it. And you got you got some. Well, mold you don't wine. boil it because you got to keep the alcohol in oh, it. But yeah, yeah. Never mind. Yes. Is it sweet like a port? Mm, it's, no, it doesn't get that sweet. They're like spices, like dried orange and clove, and they come in pouches. Uh, you can get them at the grocery store, the bougie grocery stores. I'm sure I'll now be added about that. But anyway, they're delish. Check it out, particularly during the holiday times. Uh, but you know what else is hot? Going to the fantasy playoffs. And another hot thing was the Sunday night Steelers-Chargers game. In the beginning of the game, it looked like the Chargers were pretty cool and the Steelers were hot. And then that stuff flip-flopped. And I think we have to talk about the backfield, the Chargers backfield first in that contest. Austin Eckler, I voiced my concerns before kickoff in the morning during FFL. 
there was a clear reluctance to wanting to give Austin Eckler a full workload. And Justin Jackson, who didn't touch the ball the entire first half of the game, stole the gig, I think, in the second half, gave the Chargers an incredible spark. And they then ended up coming from behind and winning the game. So what are your thoughts on this Eckler-Jackson split in Los Angeles? Props to you, Liz, on this podcast. Uh, I was kind of shooting for Eckler last week. I say had some really good yards per carry after contact numbers and the uh, the yards per route run as a receiver out of the backfield were highly impressive. But Jackson clearly outplayed him. Um, he, he with no question, he, he was a better player when on the field. I, I made the, I've ranked them very closely this week. They just so happened to face the Bengals who have allowed the most mm-hmm. fancy points to opposing backs. Just a perfect setup at home could get ugly with Gordon sitting out again. So so yeah, it was a great call by you for sure last week. Um, I was definitely higher on, on Eckler, and 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 you 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 proved right. And and Jackson, I'm bullish on this week for sure. I think we have them both ranked. I have uh, Jackson just inside my top 24, and Eckler just outside of my top 24. But they're probably only like oh, five to seven spaces apart. I'd say. I still went Eckler higher, but right right there. The oh. same. I think you're starting both of them. You're still starting both of them. I mean, it's it's fine. I, I mean, you could be right, and Jackson clearly is the guy with the upside, and he looks like the better long-term player. But I could see Eckler bouncing back and getting the more the more touches. But I like both as, as surefire RB2s this Especially week. Especially in, as you mentioned, that toothless Bengals defense, uh, giving up 153 rushing yards per game on average. Let's talk about the Steelers' backfield, because there is some news there. I don't know if you've caught it, but James Conner is likely to have an anchor a high ankle sprain. So he's definitely out for week 14, probably multiple weeks. Everybody, and I mean everybody, is talking about Jalen Samuels. Is he a tight end? Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Well, according to Yahoo's game, he can be either a tight end and or a running back. I guess I shouldn't say either. Say either or and a tight end and a running back. I don't really want to get into eligibility right now because... Lord, it's been a long enough week. Um, But what do you think about Jalen Samuels? I mean, people were like blowing their fab budgets on him without considering the fact that Stephen Ridley is in the mix here. So James Conner owners had it made all year. And and so it it sucks for them that it happened right before the fantasy playoffs. But as a Lev Bell owner, I have to grin just a little. I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. Just watching them just all season and have this happen. So Jalen Samuels, uh, fantasy owners would love a, a wait and see, a one week audition before the fantasy playoffs, having to make such a tough decision. But again, in that matchup, like the Charter situation, you know, a big, big favorites, uh, Pittsburgh ten point five road favorites against Oakland. So I'm, I have Samuels as my RB seventeen and my tight end three. It's got to be mentioned a little. I hear you completely. I don't want to get into that argument, but the fact is we we did have him uh, eligible there all season long, right or wrong. And of course, when something can get highlighted, it does. And right before week 14. But I do agree with not taking away the eligibility. You can't once it was there. So as such, you know, if he's going to be a feature back, possibly in that system, I put him as a tight end three. Obviously, he he might end up splitting work with Ridley, whom I also have as a borderline RB 33. Where, where do you have those two ranked? What's the discrepancy between those two with you? Liz? Well, I mean, I feel like this is going to come down to situational football a lot. I think that Samuels is obviously he's being listed and considered like an H back. Right. So a gadgety player, a hybrid weapon. Some people are just calling him like an offensive weapon, an athlete. No, thank you. I think he did did have he did have more receptions and carries at NC State. But admittedly, that's that's all I really know. I'm not going to pretend that I watch a lot of game film. He's never 
managed more than 12 rushing attempts in his entire college career. And yeah. he does have two touchdowns as a pro. And guess what? They right. both came Catches. via the air. Yep. Yes. So yep. when you look at a player like Stephen Ridley and you look at the matchup and Stephen Ridley, yes, he'll be 30 in January, but he is an early down option. And let's not forget that when Lev Bell sat in week 17 of last year and James Conner had been injured late in the season, so he wasn't active for the game, Stephen Ridley stepped in and... He touched the ball 17 times for 80 yards and a score. Yes, it was versus Cleveland, but he did get a full workload. A lot of factors at play, but you know the, he is listed behind Samuel on the depth chart. But I still feel like we're not giving him enough credit again in this matchup. Like, there is situational football. Do we really? Samuel has to learn how to play the running back position. I can certainly see the case. I mean, I like Ridley as a favorite at the goal line there. Sometimes that Pittsburgh does like to hide road Ben, and they certainly should be able to win this game with defense and running the ball. So, I mean, he's a fine uh, flex. And if you even want to argue higher to me, I, I, I can see the case, certainly. Just to put a period on things and to answer your earlier question, I have Jalen Samuels at running back 22 admittedly ahead of Stephen Ridley, but I do have Stephen Ridley as my RB38. So a low-end flex obviously would have uh, more appeal in straight standard scoring leagues. Sounds good to me. Actually, I've Ridley even higher than you even. So we're both, we're both, we're both fine with rolling with those guys. I mean, those are great. Those are great setups. That's what's so interesting that's about it. these, yeah. you know, these backup running backs is the Chargers and the Steelers are both double digit favorites. I mean, so that's what makes it so key here in the fantasy playoffs. A hundred percent with you on that. And let's talk about some surprise news that occurred and surfaced on Wednesday. Emmanuel Sanders tore his Achilles in practice and he is done for the season. Questionable to even be ready for next season. He's 31 years old. So there are some additional concerns beyond that. Um, you think immediately, okay, Cortland Sutton, his stock goes up here, but most teams have two wide receivers. So there's got to be another option. Deshaun Hamilton or Tim Patrick would be the first names that come to mind. Do you like either of these guys or one maybe more than the other? So first I will say I moved Sutton up from around my wide receiver 30 to around my wide receiver 15, where I had Sanders. I just do think the targets will create that. And I, I think it's clearly a big boost. I actually, he doesn't even line up necessarily. Shouldn't see a ton of Richard Sherman this week specifically. Hamilton shouldn't either. I, I guess I like him the most if you want me to pick an alternative because he probably replaces Sanders in the slot. But very unproven, so I, I wouldn't like using him in, in the fantasy playoffs. I think uh, sorry, Denver's going to lean on Lindsey this week, and if you want a sleeper, maybe Lacoste at tight end, but I do like Sutton. I mean, I think he's going to see a, a big, big increase in targets due to this injury. It's a, it's a tough one. You mentioned Sanders' age, but what was it? No contact and Achilles? Uh, yeah. It's just rough. So I understand the volume argument with Cortland Sutton, but what makes you so sure he's not going to see a lot of Richard Sherman? Well, well, these things are, are hardly scientific for sure, but he just lines up a lot of the side uh, about more than half the time on the uh, the left side of the field. And Sherman's right. like 97 percent of the time on the opposite side. He plays left cornerback. So he's, he's on the opposite side. Uh, he plays the right wide right, right receiver. But, you know, that, those things aren't perfect. And Sutton does move, go to the right side 28 percent of the time. So that's a third of the game. He could see him. But his his primary side is the opposite of Sherman and he does play a little of the slot but things could be very drastically different without Sanders so who knows I mean it's interesting because he's coming off what I think many would consider a breakout effort you know he uh caught four of seven for 85 in a score that was his a top 12 fantasy effort production wise out of Sutton so I I do like the 
volume here, but I just don't know if he's ready to be a number one. It's a big test for sure. And I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the matchup, but I like who you mentioned, Deshaun Hamilton. He's only owned actually in 3% of leagues. This is Hamilton, the rookie fourth round pick out of Penn State. He's a big size slot receiver. He's over six feet tall, over 200 pounds. Not the flashiest of metrics, but when you look and our colleague Matt Harmon did a reception perception on him, really precise routes, really crisp routes, physical player, can escape press coverage. So I like him, especially in this matchup, and you should know this, or obviously do know this as a 49ers fan, but Kwan Williams has not been particularly shut down. That would be the matchup. Um, Williams is allowing double-digit fantasy points on a weekly basis. And this is the part that I, when I looked at his, how many times he was thrown at slash targeted versus how many receptions he's allowed, 65% of the times he's been thrown at, he's given up a catch. So I think Deshaun Hamilton could really flash in a situation like this. I it's I generally preach, as I did with Jalen Samuels, the evolution takes time. Let's wait a minute. But where you can get Hamilton, he's only, I think, $10 in our daily game, the base price, the minimum price. If you're looking for a dart throw, this is a tempting one to me. Yeah, Williams has been bad. I mean, I was aggressive on Sanders' rank because of, I mean, mm-hmm. I like the situation. I mean, the Niners have struggled right there against the slot, so I hear you. And if you want a tournament at the Stone Cold, you know, cheapest price, uh, I'm, I'm for it. I, I back that for sure. Sutton, I will say that he has disappointed at times. This year. He hasn't been the most efficient receiver. I mean, we expect him to explode at some point, but he, you know, it hasn't quite happened. And one thing about the matchups and quarterback matchups, I've struggled with this myself sometimes. Do I overrate it? Do I underrate mm-hmm. it? One quick thing I will say about that is there are some corners that this is tough to predict too, but they will shadow. And Richard Sherman, who's having a great year returning mm-hmm. from Achilles, he does not. He does this absolutely does not shadow. He stays on the left side 97% of the time, just stays there. So that's, that's why it's a little bit more predictable when you can predict matchups is facing these guys with the shutdowns that just stay on their side of the field no matter what. I think that's a really astute observation. I think you're right. I still just don't think that Cortland Sutton, you mentioned his efficiency, is going to catch more than four or five balls. I have him fearlessly forecasted for three catches and 64 yards. And that was when I imagined Sanders would be on the field drawing some more defensive attention, even if he were in the slot. So I I just don't see Sutton catching more than like four or five balls. I don't think he clears 70 yards. And Denver might win this game with a ground game and a great defense against Mm -hmm. a Niners team. It's still, you know, obviously one of the worst. Yeah. Let's talk about AJ Green now, obviously. And unfortunately, his season's over. Tyler Boyd means that he will then lead the Bengals receiving core, except I don't believe Boyd, and you may disagree with this, to be a number one receiver. I don't think he is up for that task. I think he does really well when he is lining up opposite a stud like A.J. Green. When I ran the numbers in the three games that Green missed earlier in the season, Boyd averaged under five catches and under 75 yards a game. That's not bad, but it's also not as good as the over six catches and over 80 yards he managed per week on average with Green in the lineup. So, you know, obviously, quarterback play and matchups and stuff come into play here, but I just don't see Boyd smashing at the Chargers, no less. With Joey Bosa, you know, back to form and Casey Hayward as part of that secondary, it's hard for me to imagine Tyler Boyd booming. I have him on record for four catches and 59 yards. Am I being too conservative here? First, let me say I, I'm upset at myself for ranking AJ Bo- sorry AJ Green too highly last week, coming off that toe injury. I just 
I liked this matchup, but normally I'm cautious in a, in a prove it week, but I was too aggressive in that rank and that get what I deserve, man. Those, those players, uh, it's tough coming back from injuries like that. It's too bad. He's, he's definitely done for the season. I'm totally with you with Tyler Boyd. I have him as my wide receiver 33 this week, whereas some guys I'd love to see the extra targets. Uh, Boyd is really just a, a slot receiver. And mm-hmm. we are, as you mentioned, he's failed in this audition as a wide receiver one before. But my primary concern this week is the fact that the Chargers are so strong. They have allowed the fewest fantasy points to the slot over the last month, over the last two months. I mean, Desmond King has just been shut down all season. So hate the matchup. Obviously, the quarterback situation, just a disaster. Would not be shocking if the Bengals were shut out this week. So I'm with you. I do not like Tyler Boyd this, this weekend. Let's play a little would you rather with Tyler Boyd for a second. So would you rather start Tyler Boyd or Calvin Ridley? Oh, Ridley. No question. Why? Yeah, Ridley, for sure. Oh, I just like the matchup there in, in Green Bay. I think uh, Atlanta's going to have to score. Green Bay is going to put up a ton of points with mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy fired. I expect Atlanta's going to have to throw, and I like Ridley's really set up more. Big time. Way better matchup. Boyd is one of the toughest matchups in the league this week. Agreed. Uh, Tyler Boyd or someone that you were high on two weeks ago, Alshon Jeffrey? Oh, man, Jeffrey's just been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I mean, Byron Jones on him. I don't like the matchup there. I have, I actually have Boyd ranked higher. Jeffrey's just been complete catastrophe for like six weeks running now. Okay, last one. Tyler Boyd or Golden Tate coming off his first real breakout effort as an Eagle at Dallas. I've been fairly, fairly close, but I have Tate higher. I think Byron Jones will be on the aforementioned Jeffrey freeing up Tate in the slot there. So they're, they're targeting him even at an end zone target last week. So I have Tate higher than Boyd. I could also say John Ross would be another guy people might be interested in, you know, t- stepping in. He was last in yards per outrun among 90 qualified receivers uh, entering last week when I checked. Now Casey Hayward is going to shadow him. No thanks. I mean, this Chargers defense, as you, as you alluded to, Joey Bosa is only getting fully healthy now. I mean, this is a scary defense. It went from good to great. So, uh, yeah, we, we gave 14 points in the Super Contest and laid the wood. So so go Chargers this week for us. We're, rooting, we're going for them. <laughs> One last injury. Greg Olson officially done for the year. You have to imagine he might be done with football altogether. This recurrent foot problem. What do you what do you think here? Is there any love for Ian Thomas, who was, I will say, efficient, catching all five of his balls for 46 yards at Tampa Bay in week 13? Anybody here step up or come benefit, if you can even use that word, in Greg Olson's absence? So just last week, it was a late trade deadline in a keeper league I'm in. With two tight end league, uh, I traded for Greg Olson and Emmanuel Sanders mm. for this. Just go, oh. going for it this year in the playoffs. So Dalton, get you front. some mulled wine, friend. Uh, I, I don't know what I did uh, somewhere or something. That was literally the only two players I had coming my way, and they both were out for the season within three days. So that was that was fun. Um, Ian Thomas, you can do better in even two tight end leagues. It's good for probably CMC, but I mean, McCaffrey's already getting all the all the looks and, and, and targets and touches, but probably benefits him and maybe Samuel. But the problem is there, I mean, there's DJ Moore there and, and Funches is back. So there's that, that tree is, is so wide there now, but it probably helps CMC the most, but uh, I would not want to be looking at Ian Thomas entering the fantasy playoffs. No, I'm not touching Ian Thomas. Would you rather have Matt Lacoste? Yes, I have him yeah, higher. Yeah, me too. I, I just want to touch on Samuel, Curtis Samuel quickly, though, because I think that he has really proven why he was a second round pick. Now, people forget because he was hampered by an ankle injury for most of last year, which was his rookie year. But he has a strong pedigree out of Ohio State. Um, he has drawn red zone looks in three consecutive games and found the end zone four times over his last six outings. I hear you when you talk about volume with DJ Moore, CMC, Funchess back now. And last week, Funchess was back on a limited snap 
basis. So we expect more of that this week. But still, you know, he caught six of 11 balls for 88 yards last week. I like the matchup at Cleveland here. He's available in over 70% of leagues still. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he scores again in week 14. I am really high on his, also his speed. He's a 4-3 athlete, you know, a 4-3-40. And I feel like this offense is suddenly fast in Carolina. There's a lot wrong with it, right? Like having a Heineke or Heineken or whatever his name is throw balls because Cam Newton's shoulder doesn't work properly is a problem. But there's a lot of speed on this offense now. And I feel like some gadgety, hybrid type plays, especially if Newton isn't at 100%, to Samuels might work. Um, and I, I, you know, Greg Williams' defense is this all or nothing. He's going to blitz, you know, <laughs> like it's this all or nothing defense. So I think that Samuel might just be slippery enough to break off a big play. Yeah, he's tough to predict with all these aerial uh, different options there in Carolina. You got Funches and DJ Moore on the outside, and Jarius Wright has really been the primary slot guy. But I must admit, I, I agree with you. The last couple of weeks, especially, he just passed Samuel passes the eye test. You know, as soon as I'm ready to crown DJ Moore their next big thing, I'm like, not so fast. Maybe Samuel's actually more talented. So I'm with you. They, they, they've done well drafting seemingly. Good job and move on from Funches soon enough. Uh, but it is going to be tough on a week-to-week basis to predict which one breaks out. Absolutely. So let's let our colleagues Brad Evans and Andy Barons duke it out in this week's Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. Ah, it's time for another exhilarating edition of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. And Barons, uh, I believe we are deadlocked on the season series. Uh, you took me to task last week. A little too huevosy on some of my selections and as you know result, what it's all anybody in the industry is talking about brad is the <laughs> rock'em sock'em standings i'm nervous i'm tight no, i mean totally i mean it's that's all that's been in my social media thread the entire week <laughs> on twitter that's it people say i can't Man. even think i can't think about my playoff matchups um i can't like i'm too distracted by rock'em sock'em uh, i am yeah too. it's it's all people are tweeting at us isn't it yeah, yeah that's entirely it i mean that has been the crux of the conversation the entire week <laughs> has nothing to do with any kind of eligibility controversies that may be out no, there. Nothing, no. nothing of that sort. Uh, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole uh, because we have another battle here in week number 14. It's the opening round of the fantasy playoffs for the 98% of people that are of sound mind. For the sickos out there that actually have a championship game in week 17, change your damn rules. Yeah, right. that, that is actually, if I can just say quickly, that is the worst. Find a new platform, find a new commissioner, find somebody who is not forcing you to settle a fantasy championship in a week when, in all likelihood, your best players uh, may sit. Good job. Yeah, it should be League Mutiny uh, in Week 17 if you have your title game during that time. Brandon Funston, our uh, former esteemed colleague, uh, is a strong advocate for that. He never wants to leave meat on the bone, he says. Oh, it just <laughs> drives me nuts. All right, let's get into our ranks head-to-head here. Let's start off with a prominent name who has uh, posted some tepid results here in recent weeks, and that's Aaron Rodgers. I am a QB1, believe it or not, of ones this week. You're a QB6. It's the post-Mike McCarthy era. Joe Philbin came out and said he hasn't called plays since the Clinton administration, uh, <laughs> going back to his days uh, at Northeastern. Uh, so it, it's been a while. It, I mean, it could be backyard turkey bowl football for Aaron Rodgers, drawing it up on his hand, maybe in the sand, uh, in the dirt, uh, you know, call out plays this week. But it's a premium matchup. They're at home. You get the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons allow the fourth most fantasy points to the quarterback position. We're really not that far off, but we just thought this would be a very fun topic to address. So give me your perspective on A-Rod. 
I, I just thought it was really fun that you had him at one. Um, I think it's a really fun rank. I, I respect it. I get it from a matchup perspective. Um, although Atlanta's defense has gotten a little bit healthier. I totally get it. And I understand the narrative too. Like what a what a fun week if you're a Bears fan to just sort of observe the Packers. Um <laughs> my and Roger like Rogers, despite not having any blow up games, is actually like he's thrown one interception this year, which is crazy. Yeah. But he also has only two games this year in which he's thrown even three T D passes. He hasn't done it in any of his past seven games. He's only got three three hundred yard games on the air. Last week, fifty pass attempts, only one touchdown. 4.7 yards per attempt. Um, I'll give Devontae Adams his usual touchdown, but what then? Um, who else? It's not like any of these other receivers have distinguished themselves. I, ju- I just can't go there. I have him about as high as I've had. Like, I had Aaron Rodgers in the teens last week, and it didn't burn me. And uh, I've got him at six this week. Much more favorable matchup. I agree. The home thing works. Um, but I just can't go where you've gone. Yeah, I, I just got this uh, narrative in my head. It's the scene from Gladiator. Uh, when, you know, at the beginning, when Russell Crowe is fighting the Germanic tribe, remember that and the guy's head's rolling that they cut off. Remember that? And then, and he goes at my signal, unleash hell. Listen, every time I have a family reunion, it looks like that. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> or it's like an Illinois, uh, Iowa battle in basketball. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the AC Earl days and the days when Illinois basketball were actually, you know, it was a winning program because right now we're like two and eight on the year. So. Yeah, right now, that would just be like a purse fight between two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'd be tossing their mercies around. That's uh, that's <laughs> for sure. Uh, Rogers, the last uh, several weeks since week eight, as a matter of fact, QB 21 in fantasy points per game, uh, netting just 251.2 pass yards per game, nine total touchdowns. Uh, he's only seen a clean pocket 66.8% of the time. But again, uh, this is an exploitable defense. Uh, I think the burden, the weight is off the shoulders now that McCarthy's out of the picture. I got him down for like 325 and three touchdowns. That's why I have them at numero uno, and you're not that far off at QB6. Let's go to another position here. We got a little bit wider of a disparity, and it's with Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bungles, uh, which certainly applies defensively for that team. And you have Jeff Driscoll under center. I am at RB21 more bearish than you, with a more bullish rank of RB14. So explain to me why you feel Mixon is still a priority RB2. Yeah, I'll admit part of this is uh, simply being impressed with the with the tape on Mixon this season. He he's like the he's like the centerpiece of that offense now, right? With no AJ Green, no Andy Dalton, um, it's kind of the Joe Mixon show. He's looked really good over the last couple of weeks. Uh, over eighty scrimmage yards in four of his last five. He's averaging almost five yards per carry on the season, which, like in the context of that team, is really something. He's just one week removed from a seven catch game as well. Um, he gets kind of a middle of the pack matchup this week. Uh, the the Chargers defense basically dead center of the league in terms of uh, stopping the run. They yep. allow. 4.4 yards per carry. Um, they've given up pretty big games recently to James Conner, to Philip Lindsay, to Doug Martin, to Mike Davis. I mean, I just think there's a path here, even though uh, obviously the ceiling for Cincinnati's offense is not particularly high in the Driscoll era. But I think there's a pretty good chance that Mixon gets 90 plus total yards and scores his team's lone offensive touchdown. Yeah, I think the 90 total yard mark is about right. I, I just don't feel he is going to find the end zone. That's why I'm as a back end RB2 instead of that surefire RB2 that you have him ranked as. The biggest fear has come to fruition, come into reality for him. Last week, with, again, with Driscoll being a short arm quarterback, not really stretching defense is the point of emphasis, particularly now with A.J. Green side 
sideline for the rest of the season is going to be Mixon and to a certain extent Tyler Boyd. But last week against the Broncos, he stole a, a stack front 33.3% of the time. And I think that is going to be the blueprint moving forward for the opposition. So the Chargers uh, showing some improvement defensively, having Joey Bosa back. Yeah, I, I got it out for like 85 to 90 combined yards, no score. So that's why uh, we have that gap, that schism between our rankings. All right, let's go to wide receiver. Tyler Lockett, you have as a top 20 guy this week. Wide receiver 17, I believe. Uh, I have him now at wide receiver 28. Difficult matchup Monday night against the Minnesota Vikings of visiting Minnesota Vikings. Lockett has been a consistency king in the touchdown category. Uh, I am gleaning that's why you have him ranked as high as you do. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. He's actually wide receiver 13 on the season. So I'm not even putting him at his like full season rank. Uh, he has touchdowns in nine of 12 games. And I don't like it is a difficult matchup. And the Minnesota defense has been uh, more than credible. But I don't see the Minnesota DB who can run with him. And then, man, Russell Wilson is so hot right now. Like he's yeah. averaging nearly three touchdown passes uh, per game over his last eight. So he's on fire. I think this is a win for Seattle, and and I think, as usual, Lockett gets in on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a distinct possibility. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, Minnesota has been outstanding in coverage the entire season, even though they've, they've been banged up. You know, Xavier Rhodes uh, dealing with a hamstring injury, though he's fought through that. Trey Waynes uh, dealing with an injury of his own. But they continue to lock down on the competition, and I think they're going to handcuff uh, Tyler Lockett uh, in this one. Uh, if you look at Minnesota here, since week five, only two. Two wide receivers have surpassed the 70-yard mark against them, and they've only got about three wide receiver touchdowns the last five weeks. I mean, Wilson is the epitome of efficiency. I mean, he had, what, 17 attempts and four passing touchdowns last week? Yeah, ridiculous. Just crazy. But it is TD or bust for Tyler Lockett. I don't think he scores. You feel he does. That's why I have him top 20 and why I have him as more of a luxury wide receiver three. So there you go. It's kind of reminds me of that commercial of that uh, rich, attractive white couple uh, with the SUVs. And the guy goes, <laughs> oh, honey, I, I got us a pair of SUVs. Like anybody buys two cars at Christmas. Imagine the relationship where that is OK. Where like, yeah. oh, honey, I made a $70,000 spending decision without your input. <laughs> oh, I think it's more than that. That was like a 100K spending decision because those those cars were decked out. I mean, they were fully loaded. And then she goes and picks uh, the black one. And he goes, oh, that one was for me. And she's like, you got a problem with that? And I'm like, why are you with this woman? Like, <sighs> there, there are a lot of issues I have with that commercial. I cringe every time I see those because that's just like, man, if, if that were me doing that, oh, my Lord. I, would, I don't know if our marriage would survive it. No, uh, I wouldn't even buy my wife a Matchbox car uh, for Christmas. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the extent of it for me. And that is uh, the extent of this segment of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. Loza, back to you. Now... We're going to talk about our lovely followers in a weekly edition of Don't at me, bro. We asked them which high risk, high reward player they're starting this weekend. Emmanuel says Jeff Wilson Jr. versus the Broncos. Wilson! <laughs> Dalton, I, I'm going to let you have the floor here as the resident 49ers fan. And I believe you have a little of love for JW Jr. here. 
Yeah, I like Jeffrey Wilson Jr. The Broncos are much more easier to run against than they are to pass. You know, I mean, he's a he's a no one. We college uh, unknown, really. We're we're kind of flying blind here, but very very cheap in DFS and a feature back in a Shanahan system. Why not? Why not? Indeed, I like him. I thought he was a good pickup this week. AJ Gamer says Jarvis Landry versus the Panthers. Now you have been so down on Jarvis Landry. I'm with you. I'm not going to pretend like I also haven't been like no, 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 don't mess with that. But he finally quote blessed fantasy owners who stuck with him in in week 13. He converted six and nine balls for 103 yards. It was his first hundred yard effort since Freddie Kitchens took over as the offensive coordinator in Cleveland. You know he's leading the. Browns receivers in targets. He's averaged six and a half looks over his last four games, though he hasn't drawn a single red zone look in <laughs> over that time. So that's, uh, you know, concerning. I like the matchup against the Panthers. They're obviously struggling. The, the defense is struggling. Um, they've allowed the third most receiving yards over their last four games. So I think he catches six balls. It wouldn't surprise me to see him go over 70 yards. Uh, you know, in PPR, obviously you like him more. What are your thoughts on Landry? Yeah, of course. I, I buried him at rankings. By far the lowest I ranked him last week was his first 100-yard effort in whatever since week three. Um, It's nice to see. I mean, he's just been one of the most disappointing fantasy players this season, given his opportunity. And maybe Baker Mayfield just yeah, he finally, they finally find that rapport. But um, I don't want to, I don't love chasing last week's stats. And Carolina has been a little bit more susceptible to the outside. Kind of like Rashard Higgins is a real sleepy, mm. sleepy guy if you want to, you know, uh, real cheap in DFS. But I don't know if you're if you're in PPR, I'm, I'm sure Landry will be a fine middling you know, wide receiver three type option. Interesting. All right. Tim says that he has to start Demarius Thomas versus the Colts. For me, this is all about Kiki Cutie. Kiki Cutie is a beast when he is healthy. And if he is, as a speed guy, less than 100%, he's not worth playing. But I do think there's a target share opportunity here. Obviously, if Kiki Cutie's not out, then Demarius Thomas is going to see more looks. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the Colts have actually shut down perimeter receivers. They've allowed the second fewest fantasy points uh, to to the position uh, this, this season. So that's, that's uh, oh, I'm sorry, over the last month. So I'm with you with Kiki Cootie. I mean, Demarius Thomas scored the two touchdowns, but he's not seen more than five mm-hmm. targets in a game since joining Houston. So you're really chasing touchdowns. He hasn't even had 40 receiving yards in a game. So I would not be feeling confident starting DT in, in a fantasy matchup, fantasy playoff matchup. Finally, all day, Franklin says that he has to roll with Zay Jones versus the Jets. And I am here for it. I love Zay Jones. I loved it when he was drafted. I called that he would be drafted to the Buffalo Bills. This has been one of my pet players. He smoked Buster Screen for eight catches and a touchdown, 93 yards. The last time the Bills played the Jets in Week 10, he's coming off of a two-touchdown effort versus Miami. I think this is great. The fact that he has shown rapport with both McCown and now Josh Allen makes me happy. You've got the dead weight of Calvin Benjamin off the squad. I believe they added Andre Holmes instead. It doesn't matter, but like I think that only bodes better for Zay Jones. What are your thoughts here as well? Oh, I'm all in here. Yes. Uh, Jets, Jets have allowed the third most fantasy points to the slot this year. Nine targets last week. The two scores. He just, he looks good. I mean, I, 
I think Foster actually can make the, the defense honest over the top two and Allen with his legs too. It's interesting enough to me. So at $11, I used him in our optimal DFS lineup this week. I did as well. And actually that brings us to our DFS bargains and fades for week 13. Zay Jones, that's a bargain of mine. $11 versus New Jersey. Or New Jersey, I said. <laughs> $11 versus the Jets. Um, so we're both high on him and like that one. I want to talk about Aaron Jones versus Atlanta. $27. We teased it a little bit, this matchup between the Packers and the Falcons. Big news being that Joe Philbin will theoretically be calling the plays. Here's the interim head coach with Mike McCarthy fired. That's BS, right? Like we all know that Aaron Rodgers is going to call the plays. Joe Philbin hasn't called plays for how many years? Is there a more vanilla option than Mike McCarthy? Yes, his name is Joe Philbin. So I look at this matchup, though, and feel like it is not going to be high flying. You've got Matt Ryan, who's no good on grass, moving to the chilly climbs of Green Bay, Wisconsin, Aaron Rodgers, sure, he's going to pass and make a statement game, but I just feel like when you look at the matchup, this is an Aaron Jones game. He is going to run. There's not going to be this weird Jamal Williams interference. This is an Aaron Jones game. I have to imagine that Joe Philbin, even if he's not calling plays, is like, well, you know what people complain a lot about? They complained a lot about not running Aaron Jones, so I should probably not do that. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, the matchup is good. I just don't think that Matt Ryan's going to get a whole lot cooking. And for $27, I have Aaron Jones everywhere in DFS. Uh, so even if Aaron, uh, so even if Aaron Rodgers does get going and he blows up in, in the absence of McCarthy, that could still benefit Vic mm-hmm. Jones, who, who, by the way, had 10 touches in the first quarter last week and then five the rest of the game irritated me so much to no end. And, it, and I really do think he, he bounces back here at home this season. He's getting 6.4 yards per carry. Everyone knows how bad the Falcons have been. And he can receive the ball, too. He's a back that can catch it, too. So I'm with you at that price. Highly enticing Aaron Jones. I like him this week. That's considered a bargain at that price for sure. The last one I want to mention, and we talked about the Chargers defense. We never really talk about value at DST and DFS, but it is something that we should be cognizant about. Only $14 this week. I love the idea of the Chargers defense for 14 bucks, And I love that I don't have to like, you know, sometimes when you're looking at really cheap defenses, you're like, oh, I guess I'm going to roll with the Giants and pray. But <laughs> in this one, I mean, this is a quality defense in a solid matchup. Yeah, $14, same amount of points they are favored. I'm with you there. But as your aforementioned made fun of the Giants, I use them as my bargain. Oh, $10, $10 <laughs> stone minimum because uh, the price came out before the Mark Sanchez inj- or sorry, the Mark Sanchez taking over for Washington news came out. So I like them as a stone cold price uh, this this week against in that matchup. Another bargain. We talked about Jeff Wilson. So I will say another 49er, Dante Pettis at $13. You know, second round pick uh, after recording the most punt return TDs, I believe, in college football history. He's been graded poorly as a returner, but really emerged lately as a receiver. Right? Over 200 receiving yards the last two weeks, three touchdowns. That's um, a perfect week to face Denver in the slot with no Chris Harris. So I like Pettis mm-hmm. as a sneaky DFS option, 13 bucks in our game. Ooh, that is a good one. Pettis is a good one. You know, Scott Pianowski has been on the Dante Pettis train for a while. I think we all should give him a virtual high five for that one. Yeah, also, you know, Pianowski's been hammering this too. I heard on the last pod uh, that Josh Allen, the price remains too low again in our game. $23, I used Mm -hmm. him 
and our optimal lineup that is too low so i'm with uh, and i want to give him credit for that too that josh allen means affordable in, in the yahoo dfs game again still this week scott we are feeling your presence on this podcast always let's talk about fades because we're definitely not fading scott pianowski but i am gonna fade austin eckler versus cincinnati sure the yeah. matchup's good you but hate eckler you I hate, don't him. hate him but why am i gonna spend 25 dollars on him that makes no sense when justin jackson is 16 no, I hear you. I hear you. No, Jackson. Hey, no, the price discrepancy should not be that wide. I hear you. And here's a player that, you know, pains me to put in the fade column. It's Kenny Galladay at Arizona. He's $23. I'm usually advocating for Galladay, though last week I mentioned on FFL, maybe this podcast too, I do a lot of talking throughout the week and it's hard to remember what I said where. I didn't really think that Jared Goff was going to pass a lot when you look at the weapons that he has, Todd Gurley being the biggest of them against a soft Detroit run defense. That was indeed the case. And also, man, Matt Stafford stinks. He's absorbed 23 sacks and he's throwing more interceptions than touchdowns over the last month. That's cool that Galladay is such an incredible talent. But if his quarterback can't get him the ball, especially when he's in the coverage of, oh, Patrick Peterson, then I'm not spending any money on him. Unfortunately, I agree with you. Galladay's been my guy, and he has just a murderous row coming up Mm -hmm. to the schedule. It's just one elite shadow corner after another, including this one with Patrick Peterson. Love Galladay, the player, and I like the setup in in which he's going to be, you know, for sure lead the team in targets. He's he's a favorite to to reach double digits, but I only have him as my wide receiver 32 this week. You're Mm -hmm. right. Stafford's not playing well, and that Lions team is just so miserable to watch. They're so slow. They let the play clock drain, and they don't have very, very little interest in looking down the field or scoring points. So I'm with you fading Galladay. I am fading another receiver, Odell Beckham, at $29. Um, I think Josh Norman will shadow him, which isn't the end of the world for Beckham. But if you just look at Beckham recently, he has the highlights of the touchdowns and the passing touchdowns, but four targets, nine targets, nine targets, nothing. I didn't have double-digit targets in a month. Um, I don't love the setup there. I think it's going to be an ugly game in the aforementioned Mark Sanchez involved so but mainly i mean beckham fine you're gonna use him in season long but mainly keenan allen and amari cooper are both cheaper in dfs That's and i name. have them both ranked i have them both ranked independently higher all prices being equal too i really like amari cooper and keenan allen this week so so odell beckham's my my dfs fade for the week it is all relative in dfs and though you are not a relative of mine dalton i still consider you part of my family so on that note we're going to leave our listeners, head back out into the rain, grab some mulled wine, an umbrella, get our hoods up, some boots, and uh, make things happen. But we're glad you're with us, and we're glad you're in the playoffs of your fantasy leagues. Follow us on Twitter and submit your questions to at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF, and that's at Dalton Del Don. We'll be back on Sunday with Scott Pianowski and Matt Harmon. Win big. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.